Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Here we go today. Happy Father's Day to, to everyone out there, and a shout out to my dad. Uh, happy Father's Day, Dad. And uh, here is a picture um, of Glacier National Park from, from 1913 and one from 2012. Um, in two weeks, Katie and I are taking a vacation, a road trip with our dog, Winston, to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, and then to Glacier National Park. We've been wanting to go to Glacier National Park forever, but the reason that we're going now is a simple one and evidenced by the picture that I put on the screen. If we don't go now, we may not get to see any glaciers in the park at all. Glacier is one of America's 10 original national parks founded in 1910. It had over 150 glaciers, but the landscape is changing rapidly. And now there are only a few dozen um, glaciers left that are they're even large enough to be categorized or called glaciers at all. Every single one of them. Uh, of the remaining glaciers has significantly shrunk in size, some of them as much as 80%. Rising global temperatures have disrupted the one million acre park, and the climate there is fascinatingly warming at double the rate of the rest of the planet. So what will this park look like in the next century? What will our children and grandchildren see when they go to this park? Will there be a single glacier left? How will the wildlife survive? How will farms that depend on it continue to feed hungry people? Where will the people in that region get their fresh water? With fewer glaciers, we know that life as we currently know it in this region will not be sustainable. Sadly, the park officials actually concede that it may very well be too late to save the park. This is why Katie and I are going to Glacier now. We wanna see it before they have to change the park's name to the national park formerly known as Glacier. It's true that we can only change things that we are paying attention to. So I'm glad Shay did that children's message on June, uh, Juneteenth because we can't work on something that we're not paying attention to. So the question for, day, uh, for today uh, for consideration becomes something like this. Does climate change have our attention? Interestingly, neuroscientists tell us that our brains are not well suited to respond appropriately to long-term threats like climate change. Threats that appear to be out there somewhere in the future largely get ignored our brains respond really well to immediate threats. I was riding my mountain bike about a month ago and suddenly came across a huge rattlesnake that crossed the entire trail. My response was instantaneous, I can assure you. <laughs> but when we read a recent report from the United Nations about the effects of global warming several decades from now, we yawn and check the Dodger score. This Distance creates a form of denial, which serves as a defense mechanism. It makes us feel like we're not responsible and that it's someone else's problem. 
we may deny that global warming exists or deny the science behind it, which of course is bad science. Or we might deny that we as people of faith have any responsibility because God's gonna fix it anyway. That's bad theology. And by rarely discussing climate change, the church has allowed this denial to continue unexamined. Well, Lightshine Church is going to examine it. We have to. We're not going to be afraid to talk about it. We're not, and we're going to look at our scriptures to guide us in how we might respond appropriately to an issue that may seem distant, but is actually very, very urgent today. Without significant changes made today, we will be sentencing future generations to a life of struggle, to national parks without glaciers, to extreme weather events, to a world with millions more climate refugees. It may be too late to save the glaciers of Glacier National Park, but it's not too late to make significant changes that shape the world for future generations. Most experts actually agree on this. The human community has the solutions to address climate change. The question is, are we all in? Do we have the will? Has God gotten our attention? Do we sense the immediate and the future threats enough to make the necessary changes? So what I just did over the last few minutes was very intentional. In those five minutes, I was practicing recovering my prophetic voice. Now, in these last few minutes, I served as a sentinel to warn you and to those that will listen to this later online about an impending danger. I warned you of the likely outcomes for not taking care of what God has entrusted to us. And I finished with a small word of hope that we have what it takes to turn this thing around. In scripture, this kind of voice was heard through the great prophets of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament prophets alike, including Jesus himself. You might laugh and say, Rob's no prophet, and I would agree, but I might push back a little bit and say that what I just did certainly fits the characteristics of the prophets, that perhaps all of us need to recover our prophetic voices. All of us need to sound the alarm that danger is imminent. Now, we're going to listen to a story about one of the great biblical prophets, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was actually called by God to be a sentinel, to warn people of God's judgment and to offer them hope and new life if they would only turn away from sin and turn back to God. You will hear in this scripture the voice of God, give a word to the prophet about his role. Here it is from Ezekiel 33, verses 1 to 7. If you have your Bible, please follow along. It reads like this. The word of the Lord came to me, and this is what God said. O mortal, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take one of their number as their sentinel, and if the sentinel sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, 
Then if there are any who hear the sound of the trumpet, do not take the warning. And the sword comes and takes them away. Their blood shall be upon their own heads. They heard the sound of the trumpet and they did not take warning. Their blood shall be upon themselves. But if they had taken warning, they would have saved their lives. But if the sentinel sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any of them, they are taken away in their iniquity, but their blood I will require at the sentinel's hand. So you mortal, I have made a sentinel for the house of Israel. Wherever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Ezekiel is a very challenging read. It's extremely complex, so much so that some traditions in Judaism actually classify it as PG-30, not 13, 30. <laughs> I'm serious. Ezekiel before being commissioned by God as a prophet, was from the priestly line. At the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar, Ezekiel, along with many other Jews, were exiled to Babylon, taken from their home and placed forcibly on land that was someone else's. In exile, Ezekiel was actually so revered by the people as kind of this sage type um, that they often consulted him on really weighty matters. Things change. God calls Ezekiel and commissions Ezekiel in this passage to the role of the prophet, a literal mouthpiece for God to the people in exile and to those who had remained in Israel. Well, for a really complicated book, the section of scripture that we just read is actually not complicated at all. Ezekiel was made a sentinel to the house of Israel. His job was simple, but not at all easy. When God had a word for the Israelites about impending danger, Ezekiel was to share it with them, to blow the trumpet, to warn them. The sentinel would have been stationed in a lookout position, as you might imagine. Upon a sight of an oncoming threat, they would just blow the trumpet to warn everyone. Well, we know our American history, perhaps the most famous sentinel in our history is Paul Revere, right? Who alerted the colonial militia that the British forces were coming. Paul had actually spent months helping to organize this fairly elaborate alarm system. Now we can assume that the role of the sentinel is usually, we think of it as relating to a military attack. But in this scripture, it's actually not. Israel certainly had many outside threats and enemies, but the warning from Ezekiel was not about an external threat at all. It was about an internal threat. The threat was themselves. They were the threat, the way that they were living. The poor were being oppressed. They were trusting in military might, weapon systems, political leaders, and false beliefs in peace and security by means of violence. The great theologian Walter Brueggemann, writing about this period, said this. He wrote that the government of ancient Israel was busy doing what governments do, deploying ambassadors, developing weapon systems, designing new technologies, securing more funding, 
levying taxes and holding press conferences, shaking hands and kissing babies. Okay, that was maybe me, not Walter. Most people in Jerusalem had not noticed the gathering of darkness. Listen to that again. He writes that most people in Jerusalem had not noticed the gathering of darkness, the ominous violence, the fearful emptiness, the growing brutality that prepared the way for death. Oh man, when I read that, I was particularly struck by that phrase, they hadn't even noticed the growing darkness. Sounds a lot to me like the growing darkness of today when it comes to the issue of climate change. It seems to indicate just what those neuroscientists tell us about our brains not taking um, threats seriously that appear to be off in the distance. But whether we recognize it or not, the darkness is still growing. Have we noticed it? President Biden just this past week seems to have noticed the growing darkness, calling climate change the greatest existential crisis that faces the planet today. This was just last, this, this past week. So what was at stake for the people of Israel at the time of the prophet Ezekiel? Well, it's pretty simple. Ezekiel uh, is telling the people as the mouthpiece of God that they had a choice between life or death. Now, I would say that that is a matter of urgency, wouldn't you? <laughs> the role of the prophet was to sound the alarm. And Ezekiel sounds the alarm loud and clear. If you don't turn away from injustice, if you don't turn away from faith in things that cannot save you, if you don't turn away from lies and weapons and turn back to God and God's ways of living in the world, then that is the sure way to judgment and death. This was the warning. Ezekiel would say in other places, turn back to love, turn toward justice, turn toward peace and hope and live. God wanted them to live. God actually says so in the book of Ezekiel. But to do so would mean that the people would need to listen to the sentinel, listen to Ezekiel, and then respond accordingly. How the people responded would not be on Ezekiel's conscience. He had done his job. Now the response was up to them. So like Ezekiel, this is where, this is what I was spent some time thinking about. The global church, the worldwide church, and this particular church, local church that we call Lightshine, we must find, or in some cases we could think about as recovering our prophetic voice. The body of Christ today, you and me, we can function as sentinels that sound the alarm bells of warning that what we are doing destroying the very creation that God made and placed under our care, that we are placing in jeopardy the very thing that God gave us for our sustainability. This concerns me because this isn't what I'm hearing from Christians in the public square. What are we known for out there? Well, we're becoming increasingly known for what we're against 
far more than what we're for. It's no wonder that younger people are voting out of the church with their feet. Can we really blame them? The church has lost its prophetic voice. It seems to care more about buildings and self-preservation than it does about environmental and social justice issues. When we show that we care about some of the same things that both God and our neighbors care about, then maybe our neighbors will actually want to join with us. Now, when I talk to my neighbors, literal neighbors and people in my community, and they find out what I do, they're usually really surprised to hear of a church that talks about and cares about environmental and social justice issues. They're surprised by that. And this saddens me, it concerns me. The whole world should know that the body of Christ cares about not only the creation, but all the people that inhabit it. This should never be a surprise to people and yet it usually is. This is my experience and I wonder if it's your experience too. This is where the Sentinel has a part to play. There's a real urgency to this message on climate change. It's not just something off in the future. We're currently living in this unique period in Earth's history in which science has shown us definitively that we are the cause of the problem. The threat is internal. The threat is us. It's a very similar message that Ezekiel was sharing with the ancient Israelites, that this rise in greenhouse gases that are causing the earth to warm at rates never seen before in human history, it's on us. Without a stable climate, the earth will go on, but the question is, will it go on with any humans on it? <laughs> that's, that's the question. Is it possible? that God is warning us today, just like God was warning the ancient Israelites in Ezekiel's day. Is it possible that the 98% of climate scientists who tell us that the planet is warming are in fact God's sentinels today blowing the trumpet, pointing out that this life or death catastrophe is human cause? Does God have our attention yet? How will we respond? Will we choose life, not just for us, but for all, including future generations? We know that just like God wanted the ancient Israelites to choose life, God wants us to choose life today. Self-interest without regard to our neighbor or the planet is always an abuse of power. But those, according to scripture, and Jesus taught us this in many places, those who give up power in order to better love their neighbor extend the kingdom of God and choose life. Today's message is a lot like other messages, to be honest, that I preach. It's, this one is really simple, not so easy to live out. And why is that? Because the statistics show that the vast majority of Christians believe that climate change is real. And yet it's the same percentage. It's like 70% of Christians also admit that they never talk about it. They never talk about it. And that, friends, that has to change. So find someone to have an enjoyable conversation with. 
<laughs> talk about it with someone. And maybe if we're really lucky, our children and our grandchildren just might see a glacier in Glacier National Park. Can I get an amen, please? <laughs> amen. 